0: This is for the passionate Seahawks fans, the ones who care about scheme more than hot takes, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye in of the, the sky. sky. This, this, is this. this is Seattle Overload, with your hosts Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's
2: go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, an emergency podcast because uh, the Seahawks We we knew it was the trade deadline coming up and they have acquired, via trade, defensive lineman Leonard Williams from the the New York Giants. They've given up a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick in this massive news. What that means also is that part of this equation, it seems steep at first, given Williams is in the last year of his deal. Seattle gets around 10 games from him, maybe more of the postseason the Giants have taken up about most of that salary of a signing bonus, and Seattle's paying him the vet minimum, which is just over $600,000 for, for this year. And I imagine Seattle's banking on the uh, ability to get Williams to um, resign uh, when, when he sees the culture there. Uh, if he did depart, they'd obviously get a fairly high compensatory pick and they're they're banking on their second round pick that they've given up being fairly low down given their success this season five and two first place in the nfc west second place in the nfc if you need a reminder of that ty what
1: was your first reaction to this news yeah initial reaction was chills (laughs) let's get some chills going on in the chat right now Chills in the chat chills post those post those chilly emojis schneider did it again uh yeah so initial reaction was like all right second rounder seems pretty aggressive for a guy that's gonna give you what 10 guaranteed games Mm -hmm. the rest of the year um but then the the thing came out about how the giants are basically in the entire contract and then you really like think about it right like they got the additional third round pick from denver during the draft That's going to be... Whether that's going to be from the Saints or the Broncos, that's going to be a fairly high pick. So, essentially, you're looking at it as like a pick swap. And that's going to be what? If if this trade works out properly, it's going to be... You're moving down, like, 15 to 18 spots in a draft that's not, at least as far as I can tell so far, uh, not going to be super deep. Uh, So, I like it. I... Really, like I think the Seahawks should be applauded just for the sake of like we're five and two, we're in first place. Depending on what happens tonight, we're the second seed in the NFC right now. Let's just go for it. Like we feel like we have all the talent in the world to compete with anyone on any given night. Yeah, like all right, look, I'm not picking the the Seahawks over the Eagles. And I feel like they're probably in that stack of like the Niners, Lions, Cowboys, like they're a lot closer to those teams than they are the Eagles. But I also feel like they can beat anyone. So hmm. give yourself the best chance once you get to January. Cause I think I, I think we can firmly say like the Seahawks are at least a playoff team. Whether they win the division or whether they just get in as a wild card, like they're they're going to be a playoff team. So give yourself the best chance to do as much damage as possible in the postseason. And it's not like, look, you're not, like, it's going for it, but it's not going for it, going for it. Like, you're not, you didn't send, like, multiple first-round picks or a first-round pick to, like, the Panthers for Brian Burns, for example, right? Just to pull Mm -hmm. something out of thin air here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's a second-round pick, but it's also, you know probably going to be a late second round pick but still you're, you're going for it a little bit here and you're trying to give yourself a chance to do as much damage as possible in January and uh, yeah I love it from from that aspect so I'm really excited to hear what you guys uh, have found watching the tape because I know you guys have watched a little bit I know Griff has, uh, has watched quite a bit Maddie, I, I know you watched at least one game I don't know if you watched more than that today but uh, but yeah really excited to hear what you guys have to say about him and uh, how he's going to fit into this whole thing but overall just in terms of like acquisition cost the statement it makes etc like I, re- I really like the deal for seattle and i also like the deal for new york just to both sides it if you will
2: yeah on on the deal i guess it's important context that you know when the jets uh traded the uh, williams to the giants the giants gave up a 2020 third rounder and a 2021 fifth rounder so Essentially, them taking on all all of his contract for this year has has raised that uh, total to a second round pick. Whereas when they acquired him, they were still taking on his cap here. And then they placed the franchise tag on him. um, And then they placed the the franchise tag on him. And then they signed him to a three-year, $63 million contract um, in 2021. So... He has a lot of leverage given he's already been tagged twice, um, and, and all of that stuff. We'll see how it all shakes out. But Griff, what was your immediate reaction to this? I know you had a bit of the doom. You are prone yeah. to doom sometimes. You, you get scared when a team, after begging a team to make something happen and having yeah. your all, all your machinations and your boards and your your, your, your weird little yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no no negative tweeter. See so Mike's spend move.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh you, then suddenly you're like, "Oh my gosh, they did it. They did something."
0: Yeah. So, uh did, my gut reaction was, "Whoa, they did something." Like that's yeah. uh, that that's stimulus. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I kind of digested that it was Leonard Williams, I was a little uh, my my spirits were a little dampened because my preconceived notion of Leo was that he was kind of not that not that good perhaps you know like a, a firmly good player but not anything better than that not a Provo caliber player um and that was that was my that was my view of him um I kind of thought he was kind of akin to Draymond Jones uh the Draymond Jones that we've come to know not the Draymond Jones that maybe we thought we were getting or maybe Draymond Jones was never that to begin with still Draymond Jones is an above average player um and he's been coming on strong but it's like that that was my that those were my initial thoughts, and I thought, well, you know, if you had two Draymond Jones, stylistically they're not that similar, but if you had the uh, the effect of two Draymond Jones players along with Jaron Reed and Mario Edwards, I mean, you feel pretty good about that. Like it's still good. So I like the the um you know I, I like the the concept behind the move, and, but then I I read the second round pick combined with who I thought Leo to be, like uh, really this really feels like just too much, like they, they just, they lost out in negotiations, maybe another team um, jacked the price up. Um, and then I started to think more about it and pretty much all the things Ty said. I mean, this is really like you have extra draft capital for reasons that you can use it. This is them using it. It really is. It's functionally a, a pick swap um, and they're using the extra third round pick um, to their advantage right now because um, it will only come out to if they're, you know, if they're drafting in the high 20s or mid 20s. In all likelihood then they're they're just swapping like 15 20 slots to get leo williams for free basically capitalized so i mean i think that's fair value and value up um and then uh and then i did the classic you know actually watching the player and coming to your own conclusion well you can do that yeah, apparently that's allowed and um, and i'll say this before i watched him I went and looked at his you know advanced stats as we all do because that's the first thing because it's, it's so available and it's easy to digest and he did much better in those numbers than i thought his like uh, espn's pass rush win rate he's like 19th out of like you know 100 guys that's that's pretty good like especially with who he's clustered with because he's like right up there with like five guys at 12 13 percent and then his his you know i would PFF is just is what it is. Right. But I mean, it's better to do well in it than not. Right. So he does mm-hmm. well by uh, pass first grade. And then I think um, there is one measure that PFF Moo puts out a chart of every week or, or every so often um, that gives more context to PFF grades, at least in the sense that it controls for difficulty of assignment. And basically he grades well um, uh, relative to his quote unquote expected grade. Um, so that, that's another positive data point. And then, he, and then uh, by PFF, he also has a good pressure rate too. Um, the only site that doesn't give him anything that registers well statistically is Sports Info Solutions. They have you know different definitions of pressure. He does not register high on the pressure scale there. It's like 8%. Um, so I did find that interesting. So I thought, okay, well, there's a pretty good spread here. Um, at least there's some congruence between ESPN and PFF, but then you know I'm just going to go watch him and see what I think. And um, the first Dallas game, there aren't a lot of opportunities to like really pop off. Like There weren't like a lot of clean one-on-ones with, with good angles. But he played fine. He did some things against the run. San Francisco, they really worked it. They did some overload fronts. They found some ways. Um, or he just happened to find himself on the backside of the slide where he had a two-way go with the guard, and he wins. He has like seven or eight pressures that game against the 49ers who have a good, or good O-line um in the following game the cardinals it's it's kind of like a repeat of the cowboys game uh except he has like a couple clean wins as a pass rusher um and then you just you and then i remember well he did play well against the seahawks um and so that, that's all i've watched so far so that combined with Maddie, what you saw from washington um uh, where he kind of started slow in that game but then really came on and you could talk about that washington game and what else you've watched my conclusion is that They got a player who is, in my opinion, definitively better than Draymond Jones. And I say that appreciating Draymond Jones, but just to give an idea, like he's better than Draymond. He's probably closer to Reed's level than not. And Reed is probably somewhere like the 10th to 15th best DT this year. So Leo's right up there with him. Um, And then, uh, you know, you you could talk about scheme fit. I think the Seahawks scheme, the way Clint Hurd is scheme, will give him even more opportunities to go one-on-one. Wink Martindale sends so much pressure. I mean, yes, that Gives guys one on ones, but sometimes you're kind of sacrificing the D line to get someone free the second level um, or free from the second level to rush. So there's just a lot more like clean, like the Seahawks are primarily a rush four team. They'll just be able to win. And I'm really excited to see what he looks like at three technique opposite Jaron Reed because teams are sliding to Jaron Reed because they're afraid of him. So he's going to have that backside two way go one on one consistently. And then if they start sliding to him, then Jaron Reed's going to get more one-on-ones, and he's going to shoot that gap. And then I think you can even do things with – you can put Jeremont Jones and Leo on the field at the same time. Hmm. One, one play, one technique, one play, three technique. Because, again, the way they're scheming it, like it almost doesn't matter. You almost don't need an anchor there. Um, and then, of course, permutations with stunting and everything. And, Maddie, you can – We'll talk about that more in depth. Um, so, I don't have thoughts there. But anyway, so I generally, I'm very, I'm very stoked by the whole thing. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. So, very quickly before we we talk more, thank you so much, Brendan. You, I see you got a super thank sticker. You, thank you, Brendan. And also remember, Brendan is the well, I, I forget Brendan's exact role, but Brendan. I think owns Elm Coffee Roasters, which is Seattle-based. So, if you like your coffee, I'm sh- and whenever I'm next in Seattle, which hopefully soon, um, I will be going there. So, Brennan, thank you. And your super stick is amazing. You get like a, you get like a light blue aubergine, no pear, a light blue pear with a mirror or maracas. I don't know. You have to check it out on YouTube. Thank you so much, Brendan. Appreciate that. Uh, so, Anna, uh,
0: hold up, hold up. This is almost as good as a super chat. It's the next best thing. Yeah. Well, Maddie's hair is, is looking on point. Looking yeah. OG sharp. 3s
2: redemption arc.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get hey, back on the good side is, of the is, is, Mad King, Maddie. Is OG three just uh, just buttering you up, Maddie? Is he just trying to get on your good side? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, there you go. Pot- yeah. Potentially, potentially. So before i sort of share my tape observations of williams i guess some like brief overview stuff uh he was a sixth overall pick in 2015 and i think when it's the top 10 kind of guy we've seen around the nfl how their value often kind of stays at a certain point doesn't it uh, rightly or wrongly well, you could say wrongly um but yeah he was productive you know He's had 132 career games, 39 and a half sacks, 59 tackles for loss, 162 quarterback hits, and he was selected to the Pro Bowl in his second season in 2016. This year, he has one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss, five quarterback hits. Um, but the the real thing with him is in 2020, his, his uh, big year for the Giants, his first full season with them, he had 11 and a half sacks and... Um,
0: learn more at marines.com
2: that's pretty crazy for an interior lineman and 14 tackles for loss that production he like, is kind of
0: you had like 30 quarterback hits that year too
2: yes yeah 30 quarterback hits yeah um then in 2021 six and a half sacks uh 14 quarterback hits uh then he got paid and 2022 two and a half sacks 12 quarterback hits uh, five tackles for loss, and then twenty twenty three. As I said, one and a half sacks. So the production's gone down a bit. And you know, he's he's not old, but he he just turned uh, twenty nine in June. He'll be thirty next year. When when Seattle thinks about whether they can pay him or not, there is a kind of discussion to be had of when he's playing next to Dexter Lawrence at the nose tackle position. How you know could he have been more productive? Is it surprising that um, he wasn't going off even more? I mean, Lawrence is playing out of his mind. So that's kind of interesting to me. Now, watching the tape and that Washington game was where I started because that was week seven and the week eight All 22 is not out yet, at least for us. So watching that, I was kind of like, oh, this is um, not not as explosive as I thought because I I kind of viewed him as a really kind of uh, guy who shouldn't be able to move for the size that he has uh, and he wins off like a first step and then his ability to go speed to power on dudes basically. Um, testing wise coming out, he was six five, three hundred two 302 pounds, 34 and five eighths of an inch long arms, which is incredibly long hand, uh, arm length. And a 1.72 second, 10 yard split and a four, nine, seven seconds, 40, which is 73rd and 78th percentiles for defense. All defensive tackles at so that kind of size with that arm length is pretty damn impressive. Along with a four five three second short shuttle, which is 74th percentile. But the, I know he had an MCL, uh, thing that was cleared up in 2022 um an mcl sprain so i i I wasn't blown away to start off with in that washington game on how he was rushing guards tight but i think some of this is um now there's some positives to the scheme that giants run in terms of how that translates to seattle but the way that their rush plan was it, it was like he was really trying to work speed to power super tight on dude and i think part of that is he's the way that Wink Martindale pressures, he's trying to set stuff up for people rushing behind him. But I also think he was trying to set up later wins in the game where he started rushing wider on dudes. Um, and so when Griff talks about him being in an overload lines so or away from the slide and having the two way go on guys, because he's one-on-one, I think that's where he gets really, really exciting. Um, his effort was still high in that week seven game. Uh, he was getting after it against the run as well. Uh, but, yeah, when he has a wider angle is when he gets intriguing to me because he he and he plays like a he got that kind of bull in the china shop style like it's just it it it's not that he doesn't have the technique it's just so kind of frenetic and and massive like it's it's mm-hmm. um it's a lot of activity um and he also had a great game against Seattle he he got Damian Lewis a few times. So, yeah, watching the tape, you can kind of see the vision because even if he's not winning, he's a really kind of massive, fairly reliable uh, pocket push guy. But then when he gets the opportunity to get upfield, and I don't know how much the Giants let him really go upfield. I think they kind of wanted him to occupy a blocker to then set up guys doing stuff. Um, But when he's allowed to get upfield, and this Seattle system this year especially, is all about letting those D-linemen tee off. and play fast upfield, especially on the interior. Uh, I think that really, really benefits his game. Um, in the 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 forefront that they run, that the most, the nickel over f- front. It, whether he's playing the three technique spot or, or the one technique spot, he's a re. He's like a really solid fit on, for that. On basically all of the downs. Um, and it gives them the flexibility to take Jaron Reed off the field a bit and give him a rest because he's playing a lot of snaps and yeah. he has a gap shooting ability that uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I think, while I think Williams will benefit from being able to play more upfield, I don't think he's really, he's not like quick, 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 but he can knock the crap out of guys. Like when he's power stepping against the run, he play so damn thick and is still able to then shed into his initial gap like he ends up with his uh, say he's in the, the three tech his helmet will end up in the A gap to start off with but then he'll have knocked the guard back into the backfield and he'll be able to sh- uh, stand the guard up and then shed into the B gap, rip through into the B gap, he, there's so many plays like that where it's in the same front that Seattle runs basically so there's yeah. there's a ton of tape from, from that where he's either playing three tech in that nickel overlook in, in with the Giants and the two wide edges like Seattle does, or he's playing a three tech in like an odd front, which Seattle runs k- kind of in their base stuff. So the the fit is obvious in that sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you you guys have, or Maddie, you pretty much touched upon this a little bit here, but for the most part, I've heard you guys really talk about him from the aspect of, uh, or, or from the perspective of like his impact in pass rush, but what about in the run game? Like, how, how, like, w- w- how do you feel he impacts the run game?
0: Yeah, I um, mean, go ahead. what
2: I said. Go ahead, Griff. I just thought you were taking too long.
0: <laughs> no, no, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a good run defender, and you know, like, not to beat a dead horse, but like the scheme makes it so easy to accentuate what traits you have. And I just think he applies well, one, like, yeah, he's got a good anchor, um, but he can be penetrative against the run. He can be disruptive. One thing I have noticed is on the backside of zone, he's really hard for guards and tackles to reach. Yeah. Um, so he works down the line really well. He can work back. Like that's where his length is like really, really shows up. He can work back across a block, even if he's not too gapping. Um, at the point of attack, I mean, he, um, yeah, he he can hold up doubles, especially long doubles and long combos can drive him a little bit he tries to split those as early as he can but fortunately how again how the seahawks scheme they don't see a lot of combos and doubles stay on their d tackles uh, that much Um, if they do that means someone which occasionally they do if they do that means the linebacker or nickel or safety is free behind him so it's like yeah all right go ahead stay on him if you want if you think you can move him but bobby wagner jordan brooks jamal adams devin Witherspoon are right there so it doesn't really matter um mm. uh, I, I am curious to see because there are so many opportunities to get um there are so many opportunities to get tfls in, in this defense i wonder and, and like and maddie said like there are a lot of similarities between the front structure between wink martindale and what they're doing i just feel like the seahawks take that up A little bit like one more notch and i think i don't know what
2: their job i don't know what the giants linebackers are doing either like it seems way seattle this year uh it stands out from what they were doing last year but i think it would stand out comparing to like average to bad defenses league-wide right the certainty that each player plays with allows more kind of aggression up front right
0: yeah i I would agree um I, i just i just feel like uh they I, everything leo does well i'm not saying the giants didn't take advantage of that i just feel like the seahawks can do it even more and i know, I know that's like well why wouldn't every coach do that? It's like well there's a bigger picture to consider like wink martindale has this bigger picture i'm not going to criticize wink, wink martindale's philosophy of defense i'm just saying the seahawks philosophy of defense just so happens to benefit leo even more um so on, on that note it's it's pretty cool um you know, and Maddie, like you said regard with traits, what I see with him is it's a whole lot of like if you if you think of you know traits and skill set in terms of like just boxes to check off, he checks off it's a whole lot of good. There's there's not a lot of great. There's almost no bad. It's just it's all like he checks off every single box like just decently, like like Uchen in the Wosu does, but for the edge. Like he's very much like he's the equivalent of Noosu at the tackle in terms of just he's a firmly good player he's bad at nothing he's high quality at everything mm. i don't think he possesses one elite trait other than length is length is a skill and he uses it so and
2: to to that i love that noosu point you've made there griff because um we we saw what the defense having its crap together could do for someone like noosu like it kind of turned him into a very understated low key game wrecker where he's disrupting plays on first second and third down mm-hmm. and getting wins in spots where you know it looks you know he's kind of taking a shot it's not like he's just winning he's outright winning so mm-hmm. and i th- i think there's no reason the same can't happen for williams um now uh, for PFF since 2022, 64 pressures, which is seventh most amongst defensive tackles and 18 sacks since 2020, which is the eighth most among defensive tackles. So some more kind of numbers on the context. Seattle also has insight into him, I think, because uh, the USC thing can get overplayed. And it's funny hearing Pete Carroll mention it as like a, a, a reason for paying more attention to him. Um <laughs> you do wonder about kind of decision-making bias in the nfl i think this and and also pete being just a vibey guy uh but he was of course recruited and played under monte kiffin when uh, they were Mm -hmm. handling the the fallout at usc and he uh, it was ed orgeron ed o who uh who closed on um on on williams he was the d-line coach then again so I imagine Pete has some insight into the character. I, I, I found it interesting how he was praising how uh, competitive he is and his, his toughness and how he's a good kid. Um, he also mentioned how he can play across the line, five-tech, three-tech as a shade. And I almost wonder with his style and his ability to strike guys, if we see on the early downs him play more one technique over the, over the centre in a shade, and then on the late downs is when we see him play maybe three... He could even play on the edge uh and another option that they could do with this is draymond if they're worried about their ability to stop the run on the edge and we can't overreact to one game but they are without nwosu with ha- in the nickel front what they could do is put draymond jones on the edge um and and have him take shots with his understanding of the scheme and, and play the outside linebacker spot uh when they're in the forefront um mm-hmm because he's done that in his past in Denver and it might shore it up more than, say, if Daryl Taylor has some struggles or Frank Clark takes uh, too long to get it or is just not panning out. That's one yeah. way of doing it. Of course, Leonard Williams himself, some of his best reps come running games, like when he's on the edge. Uh, he's got his hand in the dirt, but it's like a outside the shade of a tackle guy. So I don't think that would be his his type of role, especially how he looks fairly large right now. And like I said, I didn't see massive speed or uh, I, th- I think it's more maybe an option with Draymond Jones who has played in a two point quite a bit in Denver. Uh, just something to think about, but ultimately, yeah, I think Williams, yeah, he's going to be that interior kind of force and it's kind of a plug and play thing, but a different style to, he's very, very different to Draymond Jones, like stylistically. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and he brings something on the inside that I don't think Seattle has. That massive size, um, just the length. They they didn't really, and even the way he strikes guys so thick, and then is able to win back outside again. Mm-hmm. So
0: he's uh stylistically skill set wise, he's an archetype of player that they've always coveted, right? Like Malik McDowell. Um, uh, um, I mean, even Mike Morris. You know, it was this kind of in the. It's the same vein, although like what Mike will be is is totally un. You know, it hasn't come to fruition yet. But there's there's they've always liked that really tall, lengthy three technique. And Pete's kind of even said that in the past. I mean, they like three techniques of all sizes because different skill sets can get it done. I mean, you've got Aaron Donald and Grady Jarrett who are diminutive, compact, density right, and then you've got the really tall, lengthy guys. Calais Campbell, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner—you know—he's he's in that mold in terms of really accentuating all of his length. Um, so it, it'll be cool to see them scheme with with that in mind too. Um, I, I'm watching some of his snaps against the Seahawks again, and like some of his wins are—it's just length being too much, him just being too long, you know, um, and- and like that matters, you know
2: yeah that what's interesting about the washington game was he was trying to do that on their guards like kind of tight and and trying to shock them and they were doing a really good job of how they set him and 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 didn't they were very patient and waited for his hands uh you know they they didn't flash their hands early or anything like that or, or leave their chest exposed in a bad way uh was that but then he was able to kind of learn off that and and start winning kind of wide on them so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it works out, and like I, I think that the aspect of Seattle's defense in how they're letting those defensive tackles get upfield is is really interesting. Now, Ty, mm-hmm. the the Seahawks in twenty twenty four. Jordan Brooks is an undrafted free agent. Bobby Wagner is an undrafted free agent. So is No. Uh, so is Noah Fan, Damian Lewis, uh, Evan Brown, Colby Parkinson. Uh, obviously, Jamal Adams carries his twenty-seven million dollars cap hit. Quandre Diggs twenty-one million dollars. Will Disley ten million dollars? And Brian Monet, remember him? He's six yeah. million dollars. There's a few discussions over whether this is Seattle going all in. They've given up a second round pick in 2024. Uh, obviously they have Denver's uh, or likely Denver's, but it's the worst pick for Seattle of the saints or Denver mm-hmm. uh, in the third round of next year's draft, but giving up this 2024 pick being having a big decision to make over whether they can resign uh, Leo or big cat. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Is this all in tie?
1: I mean, like I said, like they're, they're going for it, but it's not like super going for it. If that makes sense, like they could have been even more aggressive. I mean, in theory, right? Like we don't know, like who was actually available, who's not, etc. But like, there's a way, right, where you can be more aggressive, where you're like giving up first round picks or multiple first round picks, etc. But I mean, this is pretty aggressive for a team that's still kind of finding itself, obviously very talented, but still kind of finding itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're not really sure like where they necessarily fit in the overall hierarchy of both the NFL and just the NFC. Um, But again, like I, I think like any, you know, to be really cheesy with it, any given Sunday, I think they can beat anyone. Um, Like I think, you know, quite a few things have to go their way but like i think they're more than talented enough to to do real damage in in january um so I, i i love this move from that perspective of just like you know what we're in a really good position let's just see how far we can take this thing and put ourselves in the best position to do that um and i don't think they did anything today that's necessarily like prohibitive or restrictive of what they're going to be able to do in future years i mean Uh, they have levers they can pull next year to create more cap space. Um, Not a ton, but they do have some. Um, Really, like, the key for me is, like, getting Brooks locked up and whatever happens from that point forward happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like it's too big of a a thing to really, like, speculate if they're going to re-sign Leonard or not. Like, we gotta see how it all works. So, like, Let's just wait and see on that before we get too ahead of ourselves on that front. Um, but uh, but overall, like, you know, the other thing too here that we, that we should mention, and this kind of ties into the other thing that I wanted us to talk about, is so they have $7.6 million in cap space, according to Over the Cap. Mm-hmm. I guess that goes down to seven flat, right? Because you said that they're going to pay him yeah. essentially like 600 k for the rest of the year. So yeah, so that's essentially going to fall to like seven flat uh after well i guess now the William deal is completed so um so they have about seven million dollars obviously you want to have some of that for you know emergency over the next you know 10 weeks uh mm-hmm. in case you just need to bring guys in etc um but uh but that also will roll over to next year and i mean they're probably going to need every bit of cast space that they they can get uh next year because of all the guys that are hitting free agency like you said and they're just overall going to want to get better too yeah. so uh, but keeping that in mind that they do have some cap space here, do we think they're done adding? Uh, and should they be done adding? Like, is there anything you guys, either one of you, think they need to add still or or it'd be cool if they added? Because um, right now, like, they have a pretty... Now that they've traded the second round pick and now it's just they have the, the one and the two threes and everything else from that point forward, like, they basically just have a normal draft capital you know for for the foreseeable future so is there anything that you guys would like to see them do now following the the williams trade griff i guess i'll start with you because you're the trade guy you love (laughs) trades you're (laughs) enabling him
0: Um, i'm a deals guy i love transactions i love to transact right Uh, i think i think in terms of moves that are like big moves even like medium-sized moves i think they shot their shot already um they were connected. To, well, if, if they do make a minor move, that is kind of that, you know, low risk, medium reward, maybe even more than that, because, you, you know, you never right. know, right? Like, is there a quandary um,
1: digs deal out there? That's what I'm kind of wondering, so like, I, like I that think, type of thing.
0: I feel like the, the first position my mind goes to anyway, instinctively, is Edge still, just because, yeah. you know, you're, you're you're trying to ease the loss of Buchanan Wosu. Obviously, they try to do that with Frank Clark a little bit. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, but like they were connected to carl lawson carl lawson's a, a try hard run defender he's a skilled pass rusher but i don't know what's going on with his knee i don't know what his you know athleticism is like because he's had so many knee injuries but anytime he's been on the field he's been a good player uh, and and this year it's like either is he declining because he cannot get on the field with the jets the jets have an absurdly deep d line that's part of why he's not playing but he's definitely probably getting outplayed in practice. Um, but like he had seven sacks last year, and he was a good player by all accounts. Um, I would I'd happily throw a sixth or seventh round pick at that, and see if you know he can give you 15, 10 to twenty snaps a game, and actually like have his snaps actually matter because I would imagine he's still better than what Frank Clark did last Sunday. Now Frank Clark again, it's his first game. He's barely played this year himself. He's been hurt. So he's got to get up to speed. But, um, you know, I, I think about things like that. But beyond that, I can't think of any move that is feasible and realistic um, where, you know, it's, it would actually, it actually makes them substantially better and it doesn't also cost them too much. So, because at this right. point, I feel like they want to keep their, their draft capital at, you know, to this point.
2: Yeah, the problem is, I think, the needs or, like, where you'd want to make a move, uh, it doesn't kind of sync up. The the positional value is too high. Like, the assets you'd need to acquire that is, like, too great. It's not like you need a safety where you can get one for a fifth-round pick or, like, even a nickel where back in... Like, a Quandre Diggs, um, when when he's kind of uh, viewed as spare parts or whatever you can get him for a fifth-round pick, whereas some of these edges are going to go... They might not even go because of how expensive they're going to be. Maybe you could get one for, like, a seventh-round pick. Like, I don't know what Carlos Dunlap will go for if he does go. But then is it even worth doing it for that team? Like, what do they gain out of that? I don't think... Yeah, it's. I don't think it's likely. As much as um, getting an edge would be cool, like, I don't know how much... It will improve them. They are realistically, they're done because I don't think they have any holes, like uh, gaping holes at edge, or which would be. I don't think they can improve themselves that much with what they they'd be willing to give. Yeah. up. like I think it's really just it like, like worth a,
1: it. yeah, I think it's really just like if an opportunity presents itself with a player that maybe they liked in preseason or something, mm-hmm. where it's just like.
0: And uh, I, I also I also think what what. Um, the giants did in terms of taking on all the dead money uh kind of goes to show that like they're not wanting to stress their cap at all with this because they probably view this off season um as a critical one to keep the remaining players that are due for deals which we've already mentioned their names brooks and um and lewis and then they might need to make a decision with jamal adams too and they might who knows what's what's going on there so
2: yeah So what this also means is that Seattle won't pick in the second round, so they won't be able to take a running back, haha. Um, they they They
1: will pick in the second round after they trade back out of the first well, round. Well, this is the
2: thing, Ty. So they had been doing this kind of patient approach of not doing a deal where they, they go, wow, bro, it's kind of a blockbuster. It's a it's a big move. Um, and they've done that for the past two drafts and they've drafted pretty damn well. They've, they've got some really good players. They've got some, some nice assets. Um, Ty, in, in your view, is this, is this who they've always been in that they, you know, think they're a really good team. Now they're going to finish with a good record. They're going to be late in the draft. They, they, don't feel like they have an early pick. Um, next year's draft cycle is supposedly not a good one either in terms of the top end talent. There's not many no. first round grades from the supposed uh, draft experts. So is this them kind of saying, "Yep, yeah, we're good. Um, we've always been. We've always been like this, where we'll go all in when we think we're good. We don't have a high pick." Um, or, or is this them kind of scrapping what they've been trying to do for the last two years?
1: I think they recognize the moment that like you look around the league, not just the NFC, but the league as a whole, like a lot of these teams are flawed, like super flawed. And obviously the Seahawks are too, but again, like they can go toe to toe with any of these students in my mind. And I think they believe that too, wholeheartedly. And the defense has, I think changed our minds uh, in a lot of ways. Like, Fans' minds and probably them as well. Like I, I think e- even the defense has exceeded their expectations to cert- to a certain degree. Um, and I think they're just trying to take advantage of that. You know, strike while the iron is hot, essentially. So, I, I if I had to guess, I think that's really just it. And like again, they they see the opportunity there, and this is the only like it's now or never in terms of like adding actual impact to the to the roster. So they just saw the opportunity they took it they're in first place right now i don't know how much of like yesterday's results really factor into that probably not at all but like they're in first place now they're one of the best teams in the nfc um and yeah they're just trying to give themselves the best opportunity they can to to do damage so i think that's really what it comes down to i don't uh, and again like they didn't give up a ton... When you really break down the return and the steal, they're not giving up a ton. Because again, if all things... If, like, the deal even works out just on average, right? If it's just, like, an average ad for them, even, they're probably a divisional round team. So they're probably picking, what, 24 to 27, I think. I think that's what the range is. Right. So... uh that's a late second-round pick with the additional third-round pick, and that's probably going to be the Saints' pick most likely. We're looking at,
2: yeah, I misspoke maybe. earlier. It's, it's this; it will be the Saints' pick. I think I said it was most likely to be
1: Denver's, which is nonsense. Yeah, but like Griff said, like functionally speaking, like it's just a trade down. Essentially, it's a pick swap. So you are going down what fifteen to eighteen to twenty spots mm-hmm. to get. 10 plus games of Leonard Williams who could legitimately like have a major impact on your defense and maybe help you win a playoff game or two, Right, like be a difference. And mm. like, he might be like a, like a win at it here. Like this move might be like an extra win at it. So like he and, has the ability to have that impact. So like that to me is worth it.
2: And I think they, they'll think they're going to be picking 27, 25 to 32, but probably like 27 to 32. Right. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like the first round um, and then it, a little trade down from there maybe you pick up something which then you can if you want to get back into the second round you, you know to not miss out on that ledge of players then you can do it so yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I agree with you Ty that it's I, I, the kind of the way it's initially reported and obviously you have to wait for all the news to come out but I think that uh understandably like people were kind of surprised like oh that's that's a bit steep um mm-hmm. maybe a third round pick that uh but then kind of when you when you see that new york's taking on that salary uh you, you kind of are like yeah that's um yeah that yeah it seems like a good deal for everyone in, involved i'd say um, well and
1: again and it might be very important for them to keep that seven million dollars in cap space to roll over to next year Because of all the guys that they have to keep i mean that like that seven million dollars might be the difference in you know keeping damian lewis or keeping jordan brooks or you know yeah signing a signing a guy that helps them next year like
2: and we we like all knew that the the interior defensive line was a problem for them like even with how well john reed is playing and he's played above their expectations along with ours like they've they've come out and said that we knew that they they would need to make a move at some point and ever since that draft where they decided, hey, you know what, Jalen Carter, good player, looks like a really uh, great player on tape, but there's some stuff we're not comfortable with. We've done our due diligence and we're we're not okay with that move. Uh, We're going to take Witherspoon and he's made an unbelievable impact. Then they miss out on their their day two guys. They go off the, the shelf a lot earlier than I think Seattle was expecting. They take Cam Young, who has done fine in the league. Day three, solid nose tackle, but it's, you know, a rookie nose tackle who went in day three for a reason. They knew that they needed to, even with the Draymond Jones blockbuster for them, free agency signing, that they needed to be probably adding another guy. Mm-hmm. And I suspect since that point, they've been working the phones, planning this move. Like, they'll have identified Williams as a potential. That's interesting. He's in the last year of his deal. You know, he's been tagged twice. He's he's in this uh, kind of contract where we could maybe work something out with the Giants if they are bad. And and so it's proved. I'm sure the other names that we've spoke about in the past like uh the forest buckner was also on that list as well it's just williams is the guy and you know it'll be interesting to see what happens around the league um yeah griff have you got any kind of front office thoughts on this other than your i think good point that this is like a a a funky trade down or pick swap no I have
0: I have no good front office thoughts.
2: Are you happy with John? Johnny?
0: I, I think we've said yeah, John boomed me once again. I uh the theme of not liking his D-line moves um initially anyway are proving to be well, the Draymond thing. Beyond the Draymond. So why
2: is this different to Sheldon Richardson?
0: Well, uh at the, so Sheldon's first two seasons like they traded him after his fourth season. Correct. Right so sheldon's first two seasons were awesome right like he was ascending to be an elite three technique and then in his third year he got moved to he was outside suspen- linebacker they and he was suspended, suspended
2: for the first four games for substance abuse yeah for marijuana apparently oh
0: that's lame <gasps> uh, but, but so he got moved out of position and he played outside linebacker well for a 300 pounder but so the seahawks traded for him they move him back to three technique and like sheldon does good does decent things but then uh, as that season progresses everyone else gets hurt i think sheldon kind of shut it down effort wise um he wasn't quite as involved he didn't have the spacing to really be an impact player Uh, um and so like uh, the main thing with sheldon was they were trying to recapture the idea of what sheldon was and i i was all all for it uh, happening like it could have happened you know you roll the dice enough times you replay that reality and maybe it does happen, right? Maybe if Cliff and, um, and uh, who else got hurt? If Cliff and, uh, stays healthy and Michael Bennett doesn't get dinged up that year, who knows? Maybe Sheldon looks great. But regardless, who Leonard Williams is right now and who he was last year is better than the last season that Sheldon played with the Jets. Um, and then he's also currently better than who sheldon ended up being in minnesota and then in cleveland i think those are the two teams he played for and he he really was a decent player for those teams he just wasn't you know a, a difference maker really um i think that leonard is he's a, still a difference maker he's in that like you know third tier probably of defensive tackles which is you know there's a lot of good ones right now so you're talking like you know, anywhere in that, you know, 10 to 15, 17 range of, of 300 pounders. And there's a those that tier of players make a difference for their team. You know, there's a lot of them out there right now. So um Yeah. And still, and you're still talking about a 75th percentile player, you know.
2: Mm. Yeah. And and also Richardson in, in his last year in New York, he uh was suspended uh one game for violating the off field personal conduct policy regarding an arrest for i think reckless driving. so uh, williams doesn't have anything like that either which you know you can read too much into these things or you can it w- that was a weird incident at the time he doesn't have that and re- the way richardson's career panned out it kind of suggests it we don't know what went on but definitely tailed off like, as you've kind of described gif for yeah. a whole host of factors whereas I think Williams has just been so really, really solid. Um
0: consistent. There's right. just way more certainty with this.
1: Well, and also the circumstances of just what drove the Seahawks to make both of these trades are vastly, vastly different, like in complete other like galaxies from one another. Like so. Yeah. Like there's no comparison to make on any front really.
2: Yeah. Um so. Uh, it's nice also that he finished uh, his career w- with the Giants. His last game, week eight, apparently he had a, a 14.3% pass rush win rate, which is uh, solid versus the Jets. And he also had, uh, per next-gen stats, he had seven pressures against the Jets, which is more than twice as many as he had in any other game this season. So he clearly did some great stuff that's, in that. That's still playing hard.
0: considering like, I counted at least five against the Niners.
2: Yeah, right. Well, Always subjective, isn't it? Right, but right. But I that think makes he...
0: me really excited to watch the Jets game.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. When it when it comes out, is it out yet?
0: Better be.
1: Wait, is it still not out?
2: Yeah, there's a there's a
1: delay. Um, I think. Um, oh my! Oh my word! Oh no! Oh, oh, oh no! No! Oh no! 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 Uh yeah. So yeah, really cool that uh, my favorite football team got aggressive today happy with it they yeah added a did good player. that's pretty cool pretty epic um you know if only a, a certain other executive across the street you know would follow suit am i right guys right did i win right. points with mariner's twitter you are you are right yeah. that was so good well done right
2: right yeah.
1: um that was that. Was, there were multiple people in my mentions when i like was like cool hey the seahawks trader for leonard williams and they're like yeah, if only Jerry would do that. I'm like, that's your reaction. That's your reaction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I should
2: I uh, I should reemphasize that Pete Carroll spoke really highly of um Williams's character today uh in yeah. his press conference. So they they clearly feel confident about that and I don't know, you'd have to revisit what they said about Sheldon Richardson, but maybe they they got a bit loose with that. I don't know. Uh Griff yeah. Uh, scheme fit? Do you think he could play some nose tackle? Do, do you think we see that, or yeah, we kind of so spoke he, about that. He,
0: um, the Giants were afraid to play him with one technique when they just slide their front. Right. Sometimes they wouldn't flop if the the tight end switched. They would just and they wanted to stand an over front or whatever. Yeah. They would just slide and he, he held up fine. It's uh, just that was, that was more so is such for, an obvious nose, isn't he? Right, right, and that was more so for uh, run purposes, but I'm really excited to see it for pass rush purposes on mixed downs on early downs on rundowns Um, because i really think that just again like the way they're gaming the protection i think he could cause havoc
2: i really like him running pass rush games when he's moving it's he's pretty damn good at it i think just the overload front with him and um reed or draymond jones on the same side like of yeah. a garden center is is there's a lot of twists and stuff they can do there,
0: yeah. isn't there? Do, Wait, there, are, we... there... Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead, Griff. No, you go ahead, Ty.
1: Well, I was just saying real quick, like on the personality, like from the personality perspective, did we mention like he he knows some guys on the team, and like they know him? No, seem, Ty. Like, to get along. No. Yeah, majambo mentioned like he's he's he was teammates with Julian Love, obviously teammates with with Jamal as well. Like so, and a in the and
0: at USC, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Jenna, and yeah. and
2: Pete Pete Carroll mentioned how those guys had um had like kind of meant said to him,
0: Yeah,
1: good stuff. <laughs> so Yeah. So so that probably uh plays a pretty big factor as well.
0: Like has a good mm-hmm. rapport with guys in the locker room all right? Anyway, what were you saying, Griff? Uh it was just another like scheme thing. Um like when he when he's the three technique and the the center guards slide to him. And the guard kind of slides past him and there's like that you know that weird like subjective like who was really blocking him who isn't like if the guard has eyes on the um on the uh the the near edge or defensive end or outside linebacker he he has the length and the the first step like even if it's not the first step, like the second step, to just kind of knife that space in between the guard of the center or the A gap when they're sliding to him. And occasionally he can jump it because he's reading the play out. He knows what they're doing. He can jump it and get into the backfield. If if you can imagine that where he's over the center at one technique and they slide away from him, um, he can, I think, because that center is up on the island, he can just knife that A gap. Um and it would be the same thing. He could just ride his rip, and then his angle is even easier to the quarterback. I just feel like, you know, for pass rush purposes, like even what we see a three technique can apply to one technique, and, um, you know, they can use him in a variety of ways. And so ultimately it means they've got four guys right now that if you leave one of them, you give them a two-way go, they're going to make something happen, and you can even throw Miles Adams into that as a fifth guy. because He's he's shown that. So, you know, uh, like when, when they – when they get into their second unit or they have to they have to spell guys, yeah, like we know it, it, it makes everything easier because they're playing less snaps, they can play more fresh. But there never won't be a guy on the field between Draymond, Jaron, and Leo where they feel like they've got to slide to one of these guys. And that means the other, including Edwards, the guy opposite him, will be able to feast. Like Edwards has looked insane, honestly, this year when he's had those rare not even that rare. That's the whole point. Those rare one-on-one with two-way goes like he mm-hmm. on it. Um, so, and like watching Williams, like it's a lot of guys don't always get those. Um, and if we consider like what Williams PFF grade is relative to expectation, it's like, imagine what he'd look like with more of these one-on-ones. So um, I'm really excited to see how uh, they all work, work together and mesh. It's the school set diversity is cool too. So I like it.
2: Absolutely. Now, the other thing we, we we've mentioned the nfc kind of landscape but the, the news is that matt stafford uh, rams quarterback has a confirmed ucl sprain in his thumb mm. which uh and the rams are considering putting him on injured reserve because uh i mean in the past quarterbacks have missed up to like five weeks or something like that it could be even longer so we'll have to see brock purdy's obviously regressed uh or has he, but he's then concussed, or is he? And, and there's all that kind of stuff going on, and he, the Niners have lost three straight games. Kirk Cousins, uh, with the Vikings looking like they could be like that team who comes back into it, uh, does his Achilles, and so their chances are kind of done. And, uh, yeah, it seems like... Uh, well, real quick uh, on that note, lo- do, we, yeah. do we
1: think the Seahawks would trade Drew Locke? Is there any chance of that happening? There, uh, probably,
2: not. I mean, I, I maybe tie, but they'd have to get a pretty good offer, and it's almost the case of when those guys go down, they're like, "Well, thank goodness we have someone who we we like the potential of, uh, and right. we have a backup." Yeah. If if something terrible was to happen to Gino Touchwood, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, Like on um Yeah, but yeah, I just I, I don't really see this as a massively all-in thing. I, I just think it's more. It, there's all in and there's all in, right? If they spent yeah. the seven million dollars and, and traded a first round pick for an edge, that would yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, like there's, we're really, Rams. really yeah. This isn't Ramsian. Um, yeah, this
1: isn't the fucking picks type it's, of thing. It's a nice, like, it's a nice midpoint. Yeah, really. It's like, look, we believe in the team, but we're also not like sacrificing a whole lot. Which is, which is the it, philosophy they've always said: win
0: forever. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Um, they're not going to hurt the future of the franchise, but every year they'll try and put together a championship roster. There you go. So, chat, if you've got any questions, please do let us know. I see Tyler Johnson. Thank you so much for the donation, Tyler. Tyler. 20 bucks. That's very kind. Thank you. appreciate that, man. Uh, Chat, if you do want to donate, there's a Stripe link, which I've fixed in the description. There's also the YouTube Super Chat feature, which three of you have kindly used today. I think it's pretty intuitive. Make sure you get a super sticker. I mean that uh that pair, the light blue pair was was magnificent. Super sticker. There you go. What
1: are you um, guys' favorite uh candy? Halloween candy, real quick while we wait for questions. Favorite
2: uh, Halloween
0: candy. Yeah, or just candy in mm. general. Reese's or Baby Ruth. Yeah cuz you got, the, you
2: guys are proper into Halloween aren't you? You're like nuts uh, for it.
1: Well, that's the other thing too, right? Do you can cons- I asked this question at, we're doing questions of the day now at the end of the uh, every lockdown where we're asking the uh comments questions, but uh, I asked them uh, <coughs> is it, do you consider chocolate candy or is chocolate a separate thing from candy? Cuz some people like separate the two. And they get weird about it too. Hmm. Do you get are you guys freaks? So no, well, obviously,
2: I candy. always use the term candy, so.
0: It's yeah. candy. Yeah.
1: Like, if you ask me, what's my favorite candy bar? Like, the only chocolate options to run through my mind. Right. Like. I say sweets. Sweets. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Sweets. Yeah. so
0: posh of you. Yeah, say that London is. Well, it's just English. British. Oh, it's, it's London posh. It's English posh.
2: No, I think posh would be sweeties.
0: Would it really? Interesting. Yeah. So, you say? Bar, some bar equals,
1: Jen says bar equals chocolate, but chocolate is not candy. So, candy is just confectionery. Tea I junk? would
2: say candy was, I wouldn't class chocolate as candy. All right. But I wouldn't get Ooh. aggressively, like, upset or angry about that. Right. Um,
1: My answer is Snickers, Snickers, by the way. But, like,
2: Snickers is that because you'd only have that for Halloween? Because you, you make such a big deal about Halloween. I don't. Isn't it Irish Halloween?
0: I have no idea. And I
2: Griff, it was, don't I... but just behave yourself right now.
1: <laughs> I thought it derived from Mexican culture, like Day of the Dead and all that. Oh. The, oh.
2: oh! Have I just... I mean, you, either way... Are you, a,
1: are you appropriating me?
2: Well, Is I mean, it... the Irish have had oh. a tough time of it, too. <laughs> like... I don't think we don't have to have a, a are, are competition doing,
0: here. Are we doing struggle wars right now <laughs> to close off Seattle Overload, episode 307?
2: One theory what holds is that this? many Halloween what, traditions were influenced by Celtic me, harvest We have festivals. to go
0: all the way back to our previous publication.
1: Let's go yeah. here. Let me go on megaphone. It's so Christian,
2: and it celebrates in Ireland, Scotland for centuries
0: that's okay. that's so cool maddie but
2: i'm sure that's, uh the mexican epic, dead maddie. dead is uh, is relevant i don't want to diminish that um that's
1: so epic maddie
0: maddie do you ever t- think about how like halloween has its roots in um like irish culture
2: yeah i do vince thank you so much okay for, so the, the money how has jamal adams looked in man to man coverage after a turn uh, he hasn't really played man-to-man coverage. Yeah,
0: Is there, um, like his... and his his match opportunities looks fine. He get looks,
2: yeah, he looks nice in that. But he has, I don't think, like he's been matched up in zone. He had that really nice pass breakup on that seam route where he was matching the seam. But yeah, yeah they don't play. If they were playing man, he'd probably get blitzed, or he'd play in the the in like a robber role, but just happens that they don't actually run that much man coverage um or they'd be in dime where he'd be man on running back yeah
1: yeah the uh but thank you so much fence for your question um I looked up the episode number well there there's clips in here too that are counting as episodes but it says Ooh. 337.
0: Oh wow, I was close. I just threw out a random number. So, are we at like Probably at like
1: 250, 200? 200, 200 to 250 somewhere in there, probably, in terms of episode number? We're like yeah. trying to account for the all the clips. Oh yeah. And that's that, and that and that's just since the reboot. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, so where are you going with this tie?
1: No, dude, Griff was just saying like we were talking about episode number. You were like doing something else. So Oh right. That's rude. why you're lost. Yeah. Don't worry, I was looking lost. up
2: that I uh, Halloween was actually a thing. Um and I wasn't being mean.
1: OG three, I... you're in Toronto? You're in my neck of the woods? Of course. Hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Halloween Tree um, is a great kids movie about the history of Halloween and Halloween-adjacent holidays. There you go. Thank you, need Taylor. To, you, you well, need it to sounds like these clearly. two need
2: to watch that. I don't need no, to. No, it sounds I, like I you
1: need about. to watch it. Okay,
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, ha- Halloween candy, Reese's Pieces.
1: Reese's Pieces? You're a Reese's Pieces person? That's good.
2: Reese's is really good but I've never had that on Halloween I've just had that uh, uh, in uh, the Senior Bowl and then when I am in the shops and I'm at the checkout and there's like the Reese's is like over there the draft
1: does start in Mobile
2: it does people forget that actually
1: yeah yeah Yeah. OG3 you just need uh, just need one more of us to complete the Holy Trinity
2: Okay, well, chat will be back on Wednesday. We will have, uh, like I said, special guests to look at. The Baltimore Ravens, Seattle's massive... Is that 10 a.m.? Yeah. Yikes. Uh, Massive road game. Oh, Cameron says, Brits love Cadbury eggs. Well, Cameron, let me tell you about Cadbury eggs. So... Cadbury's was delicious British chocolate, which was very tasty. Uh, Like, by no means was it great, but it was excellent. It wasn't, like, high quality. Like, the cocoa content was bad. Like, uh, I think certain countries got upset that it was even called chocolate because there wasn't enough cocoa in it. But it was very tasty. And then a man called Robert Kraft personally decided to buy Cadbury's and uh ruin it
0: yeah oh wow
2: yeah absolutely wrecked it and uh That's this brings fun. me to a topic that i've been wanting to get onto on the show american chocolate is garbage
0: it's oh, absolutely yeah. trash you did, you, yeah you, you absolutely you did, trash you did, i don't know what's wrong this with take take you to us guys the other day what's no, wrong what, with you what uh, what uh, what chocolate are you talking about are you talking about like just all of crap it crap you can buy anywhere oh. like right. hershey's right. what
2: i chocolate. remember reading about hershey's that's, uh, or like hearing about it, seeing Donald's it in popular culture, chocolate. and thinking that it was <laughs> going to be amazing, sometimes. and it tastes—it made me feel sick. It tastes like absolute
1: crap.
0: Like, like you go to bottom. You go, you go to Bones. You go to a local shop in downtown Seattle. Buy some yeah, real you chocolate. Yeah, Theo's like go chocolates. to a, go to. Oh yeah, like uh, like we have get in have Belgium. A... Yeah, we you can get that stuff here.
2: Yeah, but yeah. you can't have. Yeah, but the, the, my issue is, if you were gonna buy like a one dollar bar of chocolate in in britain you'd be able to have a really nice chocolate bar and not feel like you're eating cat sick but in america oh. no you just have hershey's or something with loads of you food, know Maddie, sweet just, peanut just... butter in it which is nice but it's Mad... not really chocolate but we'll be
0: honest for someone who is a citizen of the country that transgressed on our nation in 1812 um you're speaking mighty um out of pocket right now but but facts but factually correct i'm just saying glass house okay come
2: on so you you're you're a very good good boy you've been a good boy
0: yeah it's you can find good chocolate here but it's more expensive yeah
2: so i'm right so what's wrong
1: maddie it sounds like you need to chew it over with twix yeah maddie yeah exactly
2: oh and that's the other thing don't get me started on three musketeers and all that crap Oh my god! It tastes so bad. I've, what's wrong with a, it? Have,
1: have you ever had oh, a Snickers bar, though?
2: Yes, and it's worse. What, why do Snickers they? What's good. wrong with them,
1: dude? Snickers. Trust me, I'll dude. send you some
2: European Snickers.
1: Dude, it's different. Tri- it's different you're, gravy. No, nah, you you lost me with that one. You lost me with the Snickers. No, you, was,
2: you're eating you're eating Snickers. dog poo. It's like a dog poo bar.
0: <laughs> that was for you, Cam. No, nah, Snickers. Um, Sorry. Look, Maddie. I will not take any you other need hands. To relax.
2: I'm not you, relaxed. It really upsets me because okay? I, I hear all these great things about the U.S. of A. And You're then your bloody right candy now. or chocolate bars are awful. Oh, and the, what's the Mars
1: bar one? Okay, yeah, Mars, uh, is, Mars is Cheeks. Bro, and a lot of people up here like likes Mars. Jen's probably going to get mad at me. If I, I don't listen. like Mars. No, because Mars is, do, Mars is do you cheeks, know the
2: other bro. thing? Do you know the other thing as well? <laughs> Go on. Um, what does a Mars bar look like in the, in the U.S.? They're like the packaging,
1: the, it's like brown uh, <laughs> yeah. with like red lettering.
0: Maddie, if you like chocolate so much, why don't you put on a purple blazer and go make your own? <laughs> yeah, That's
2: right. <laughs> oh no, it's Milky Way. What? What on earth have you, have you done to oh, Milky, yeah, yeah, Way?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Milky Way? Yeah, Milky Way.
2: Why yeah. is it so bad? Go, Google what a US Google what a UK Milky Way looks like. It looks it, so much better just the packaging. Interesting.
1: interesting. And U- then
2: and then it tastes good, whereas milky way you've got cat sick you've got dog poo and then milky way <laughs> tastes just
1: awful it's just Agreed. like it's like it's it's really Agreed. like i'm lo- i'm looking at the uk
0: hold on me, with Taylor. Me...
2: yeah that this is this is what cam's saying milky way just needs peanuts in it yeah all of the chocolate needs peanuts in it because it tastes so bad well, that's so that what a baby baby sweet, is sugary baby peanut
0: bars the best
2: uh i like right. the uh what's here, the here, butter here, the here, butter we, thingy
1: we, we have this up on the stream there. look at
2: that how it's nice very, does that look
1: it, it, it's know. very whimsical it's very whimsical i don't know I what's don't wrong know
2: with that? whimsical chocolate
0: <laughs> <laughs> maddie you eat what do you eat for breakfast every day you eat beans for breakfast every that day.
2: that looks healthy why is it green why is it green and why is the milky way green and look at her face she hates it <laughs> and she's irish she's not even british how she do you hates know it. that are Irish you people try American that's, that's, Milky Way. That's uh, what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Giff, I've got really good um, ideas. Like, Damn, bro.
0: <laughs> um, you can anyway. see my
2: towel. I've been exposed. I dry Manny, my towel you, on my whiteboard. You're, you're so oh.
0: upset, bro. Have you ever thought about just like calming yeah, about, down about, for two how about, seconds? Yeah, how yeah about you just Jen's right.
2: Butterfing, butterfing is good, but it's the same point. It, you put peanuts in it, and it yep. it, it. Have you it, it had? Have you
0: had a baby is. Ruth bar? Or
2: Probably grand, or a
1: hundred grand. <laughs> but bar I don't remember it, so it's payday. clearly not memorable. But I just,
2: I honestly, I don't think you should just be allowed to keep saying stuff with peanuts in because I agree I have, with I have, you on that. My right. point what, is the what actual about, What about
1: cho- what about chocolate with wafers? A, like a, oh, right a now.
2: Kit Kat where it tastes like cheesy. Kit American Kit Kat tastes like cheese. It doesn't. What's cheese? It's bad. It's bad.
0: It doesn't taste about? like cheese. English Kit Kats are like, far
1: I, superior. Like, like, all right. Like, I'm not a <laughs> Kit Kat supporter, but like, I don't think it Some tastes like cheese. It I'm taste sorry, like cheese.
2: It's bad. All American chocolate is really,
1: really bad. All right. What about like peanut M Ms?
2: Yeah, but you've just done. You've proven the point. If it's got peanut in idiots. it, it's disqualified because
1: it it will taste. Right, what good. about regular M? M&M, well, actually, regular M Ms are trash.
0: Yeah, no, there you go. I they get taste old like
1: fast. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like super bored. Like after having like four M Ms, I'm just like, nope. I'm good.
2: Sorry guys, no. this is a bad look for you. You've you've mm. tried. You've tried mm. really hard to defend America, but buy us buy us some chocolate for Christmas.
1: Yeah, Maddie. Buy us some chocolate for for Christmas then, Maddie. Well, I've just
2: told you. Bloody Robert Kraft came over and ruined our chocolate.
0: Maddie, you are so well, true. Not all of the chocolates, though. Are... You are so mad. No, man. not all of it. You know what? I'm glad that our chocolate makes you angry. Yeah. Because look how mad you are. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad you I'm, I'm, glad I'm you're raging
2: upset. mad. Yeah,
0: you're pissed. <laughs> you're, you're stark raving mad.
1: You know what I'm not pissed about, though? Leonard Williams on the Seattle Seahawks. Boom. Hit it, Maddie.
0: Hit it, Maddie.